Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Del Preti, and you're listening to Context, the podcast where we're talking to business leaders about the businesses and business models and technologies that are changing in real estate. So my guest today is Robert Refkin, CEO and founder of Compass. Hey, Robert. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good, good. Um, awesome to have you here in Boulder on a beautiful fall day. We're loving it. So really appreciate you coming in and your time. I think I want to start out with the question on everybody's mind, right? You got Q3 earnings coming up, um, massive restructure in the business. What I really want to know is how do you typically start your day? <laughs> so I wake up and uh, my wife probably wakes up earlier than I do because she starts getting the kids ready. We have three kids, uh, a 10-year-old, seven-year-old, and three-year-old, two girls and a boy. And I look at my phone, uh, see if there's anything there. I got to tell you this. I never looked at the 10-year at all, the 10-year interest rate yeah. um, before the last year and a half. Now I look at it every day. <laughs> uh, and then I go downstairs. I make myself a cup of coffee. And then I start feeling like I'm up. And then I make my kids food, a little breakfast, and hang out with them, bring the girls downstairs. They go to school, and then I walk my son to school every day. Awesome. What kind of coffee guy are you? Espresso, drip? Good question. So Nespresso, because it's like so easy. Just put the pot inside. And then, so I start off in the morning with an espresso because, boom. <laughs> no, no milk to get in the way. <laughs> oh, no. Not, nothing's ever in the way. What's the pod of choice, the flavor? So that's another good question. So you, you've le learned over time... The darker the pod, the more caffeine, mm. right? So it depends how I'm feeling. So you, 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 how much I how much I need. I try not to go for the black one, the darkest, because then it's going to take caffeine away from my later part of the day. You got to measure it out throughout the day. So I start off with an espresso, and then like two, three hours later, like a regular cup of coffee, and then two, three hours another regular cup of coffee, and then I'll try to be done if I can, or if, if not, then like one little half espresso. Nice. I really appreciate that. We should just, I'd be happy talking about this for the entire, for the entire time. Living in New Zealand turned me into a real coffee snob in a sense. And I yeah. just, I just love it. Oh, yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of good coffee out there. Okay. All right. Although uh, the one coffee I've never understood is some of these coffees, um, when you can get them at a store, it tastes very acidic. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. I don't understand why people like that. Some, everybody's different flavor profile. I, I mean, it's not for me, the super acidic, you know, yeah. I, I think there's certain notes that I, that I yeah. prefer. Everybody's got, the, I mean, there, how many Nespresso pods are there? There's like 50 you can get, or maybe be. even more. Yeah. And then there's some like special ones like from Columbia. Yeah. Single origin. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. We should, this should be a regular occurrence. <laughs> Robert and Mike talk about coffee. I love that. All right. Um, so back to, uh, back coffee to and compass. coffee and compass. <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, so speaking of Compass, when I'm thinking about this and I kind of take a step back and I think about the business, gosh, from the outside looking in over the past decade, I see kind of these three transformative moments for the business. You know, the first one was raising massive amounts of venture capital, more than any other real estate company has, has ever done. Second would be this really big investment in tech, right? Again, more than anybody has done. And then the last is, you know, the, the past year kind of responding to the shifting market. 22, 23. Out of those three different eras, which one would you say has been the most challenging? I, I think this most recent one has been the most challenging for sure. And the reason why, I think the, the hardest thing for Compass 
has been bringing culture back in to the company, to pre-COVID levels. I think culture has been stolen from almost every company from the pandemic. And what I define culture is when you come into the office, are there as many people laughing and smiling as there were before? Hmm. Um, are there as many people just talking, not about work, just about... Coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Are there as many people walking to get cups of coffee together? Yeah. And across almost all companies, that's been taken away. And I think it creates one of the biggest risks to culture and to companies, particularly in, in real estate. And so bringing culture and connection back to Compass has been by far the hardest thing, but by far the most important thing that um, I think I've ever done. What's something you've learned personally going through that process? So much. Yeah? It's all I think about every day. What I've learned, it's not about productivity. It's about connectivity. Mm. Whoever connects the most grows the most. Connections where the opportunity happens. And what pandemic and Zoom and work from home did is it made people think, oh, this is great. I could be more productive at home because they define productivity as meetings, not about connection. Uh, what I've learned is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's too hard to show how much you care through a screen. By the way, it's one of the reasons I'm here. If it was, a, it was two years ago, I'd say, why not do it on Zoom? It was two years ago, I'd say it's a text message, email response. Right. But now I associate anything that's not in person with risk. And what I learned is you can't build trust virtually. Mm. In our industry, and in real estate's built on trust, trust and like. What I learned is good times create bad habits. Bad times create good habits. This is a time to do what got you here, not what you did over the last couple of years. We need to be less transactional and more relational. Uh, this creates, this market's your greatest opportunity, disguises challenge. And the challenge is, you know, I don't think we have an inventory issue in this country. I think we have a connection issue. Hmm. We have become disconnected to people. You know the stat, 90% of buyers and sellers say they'd work with the same agent again, but only 12% do. That's because people aren't staying in touch when they think they're staying in touch. And what has happened, I believe, is that we have been deceived. Technology has made us think that we were connecting when we weren't. Mm. Technology had made us think that a text message or a social post or just a newsletter or a, a Zoom call is a connection. When it's not, if it's not eyes on eyes, face to face, person to person, it's not a connection. I think what's happened in real estate, I think technology has stolen the sales mentality from the profession uh, to be dramatic. Yeah. And what I mean by that is in the old days, if I'm a sales manager, I would give you the check in person mm -hmm. and I would say, I know how hard you worked for this. I know the transaction almost didn't happen, you know many times over, but congratulations, you did, and I give you a hug. Now that check sneaks in through the night through a mm -hmm. wire transfer, stealing the relationship. That's between the broker and the agent. But the same thing's happening with the agent and their clients. They're not meeting in person as much anymore. And so it creates, it's a challenge, but also creates an opportunity. And yeah. in those old days, that's when brokerages charged 30% when there was mm -hmm. connection. The less connection, the less they're gonna charge. So just on that, Robert, I mean, what you're describing sounds 
significantly different from what I hear and, and what we hear from a lot of other companies. Do you see that kind of turning into a competitive advantage for Compass going forward? Is it? This is the thing. Yeah. This is the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. <laughs> I believe that within the real estate industry, at least, forget investors. In the real estate industry, you talk to agents. Every agent believes that Compass is a technology company. Mm. Now it's time to prove that we're a people company. Mm. That's the opportunity. Yeah. High tech and high touch. You have the technology companies in real estate that are high tech, but not high touch. You have the traditional brokers that are high touch, not high tech. In an Apple-driven world, you need to be both. And I think the opportunity right now, you know, technology, we have it. It's going to get better and better and better. That's great. But I think the opportunity right now that I see, and part of me doesn't even want to share this because I want to continue. I see brokered CEOs moving to cities away from their agents. Mm -hmm. I see them closing offices. I see them discontinuing local events. The number one reason why agents didn't come to Compass over the years was their emotional connection to their sales manager. That was all in person. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I see is competition giving up on culture and connection. And that's going to create the biggest opportunity for Compass in our history. That's great. I mean, you can't say that you don't know who you are or you don't know who you want to be. Like, it's very clear. We're not in the middle ground. We're not in this gray area. I think you've really clearly outlined that. And, and I love it. High tech, high touch. And kind of building a moat around that. Because I don't hear anybody, you know, we hear companies, and again, on the podcast, high tech companies and some companies that are high touch. But in terms of really embracing both of those, doing that. That's, I want both. That's unique. Great. So, I mean, going through this process of the, you know, the market changing and everything that's happened over the past year, you kind of talked about what you've learned there. Is there anything you've learned about yourself as a person going through that process? Uh, yeah, I've, I've learned a, a lot about myself. I think my underlying motivation has never been money, but I've always worked really, 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 really hard. And I think what I've been working for over time was community and belonging. And my mom is Israeli. She's a single mother, disowned by her parents because my father was black. Um, and so I it was just me and her. And so I never had community in any way. Um, so I was always searching for belonging, searching for community. I moved from Berkeley, California to New York City because in New York, anyone can belong. It's the most diverse city in the world. 37% of New Yorkers are immigrants. I think like it's the next 30% or so were from a different city. So it's, it's this melting pot of people that were trying to change their stars. And so that's why I moved to New York. Hmm. And I think I worked really hard for community, for belonging. When I was at McKinsey, at Goldman Sachs, I worked in the White House. But I realized, unfortunately, in those places, you don't really get it. <laughs> Um, and you get married, you have a kid, you have a family, that's your core community. And so like, what am I working for now? I think I am addicted to big dreams and to people that dream big. Hmm. Uh, and when I turned 30, I started a nonprofit called New York Needs You. It's now in four different states, or they call it America Needs You, but it helps thousands of students who are all first in their families to go to college and below the poverty line, giving them career development, college support, two summer internships. 
And the reason I chose, I, I just want to start a nonprofit. I just want to get people to give their money and their time to mentor any group. I chose people first in their family to go to college because what's more inspiring than that? It's across every gender, every ethnicity, immigrant, non just Are you first in your family? Are you paving the way for everyone that will come after you? And, and you don't have anyone in your family who's done that before. Mm -hmm. like, so to me, that was like the most inspiring. And we grew and it grew and I was so passionate. I loved it so much. And I you know, still exists. It's grown consistently over time. Uh, but I share all that because I did not expect to fall in love with real estate agents. Yes, my mom is and was an agent. But as Compass came to be, our clients, I believe we work for agents, not the other way around. They're my client. I work for them. And I need to work as hard for them as they work for their clients. I need to be as entrepreneurial for them as they are for theirs. And agents are this amazing group of entrepreneurs. An industry almost 2 million strong, largest industry dominated by women, an industry of single parents, an industry of families that work together, an industry that pushes people, like my mom, 78 years old, in their 70s or 80s to grow and to get better in their career. It doesn't push them out of the door like you know other companies that I've worked with. Can't be 78 years old working in a lot of these companies. Mm -hmm. And so it's such an amazing population of people. And they're all entrepreneurs. They don't make a check. All they do is they make a bet on themselves that with their hard work, their creativity and talent, they can create a business. And so what I love about Compass, and it was not expected, was that I get to be a part of all these people's careers that are dreaming bigger and want to create a better life for their families, for their clients. And we have all these employees that have this dream of what can Compass become. Almost everything that exists in Compass today comes from someone else's ideas, not mine. Mm -hmm. And so just being a part of that is a really, 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 really fun thing. Yeah, it sounds like that would be incredibly energizing, being surrounded by... And I, th I don't know that a lot of people realize this. I didn't realize this before I was in the industry that agents are entrepreneurs. Like if you wanted to describe an agent, a real estate agent one way, entrepreneur, small business owner, right? Small Just owner. hustling, going out there, doing things. So, I mean, in terms of big dreams, so right now Compass is the largest brokerage in the United States by sales volume. When you think about the trajectory there, the past 10 years, was there one thing in particular that really supercharged Compass's growth? Yeah. I didn't think about that until recently. I was in some meeting with someone and it was, a, it was some ex-Harvard Business School Wall Street analyst. And she asked me, she was like, how did you make it Compass the largest brokerage in the country in less than 10 years? And I never really actually thought about that because you know, you're just, just moving forward. Mm. And so I actually did not have an answer. <laughs> I didn't know how to answer it. But I thought about it since. I think... If you have to narrow it down to one thing, yes, we had money. Yes, we worked hard. Yes, all those kind of things. Um, if you had to narrow it down to one thing that sat above everything else, I think is that we viewed the real estate agent as the client. And this is an industry that did not view them as the customer, as the client. But because we did, that's how we knew what to build. And the, I think the reason why we did as well, one, there's the financial. Two, there's the practical. Financially. Your customer is the person that pays you. And yes, you get a check from a buyer or seller, but the, the percentage of that that you get depends on your economic relationship with the agent. The agent is effectively paying you. They're their clients, not ours. And but the second is when we created Compass, uh, we had to hire a bunch of agents that didn't know anything about us. 
And I had, there's a benefit of not coming from the industry. I had no idea what to do. And so, so I just asked them, would you be willing to come to Compass? Well, we have all these great technology people from Twitter and Google, because my co-founder, Ori Lone, he sold a company to Google, another to Twitter. And we have all these business people from McKinsey and Goldman, because I worked there. And we had designers from Apple. So we'll, we'll, we'll work for you and help you grow your business. And the agents, they one by one by one said, I wouldn't come to Compass because... And I would come to Compass if. Hmm. And in those conversations, I probably hired more agents than anyone in this country. In those, they gave me the roadmap of what to build. What was the if? So the three things that they cared most about were culture at that time, culture, support, more marketing and technology. It's now changed to technology and culture. Hmm. And then everything else is much further down. But examples of the things they told me is, well, I've always really wanted staging for my clients. And then out of that came Compass Concierge, where we front load the cost of staging. Over a billion dollars of our money has gone into investing in staging and for their sellers' homes so they'd sell for more money and less time. Uh, other ideas were whether it's Compass coming soon, whether every single market that we ever launched, we have, I believe, the largest agent referral network in the country, approximately 15% of all of our transactions are agents referring their clients to other agents. It's a lot. Mm. That comes because every market we launched, we asked the agents which market would help you the most. And so it kind of airplane traffic where people are moving from into, as an example, first market we launched in COVID was Hawaii because all the California agents told us mm -hmm. their clients went to Hawaii. And, and then we had all the, we started creating these national events because they said those national events helped them develop the relationships. So I, there's what sales manager hire. Our logo is black and white for a very specific reason. Because agents said that their former companies cared more about the company logo than the agent logo. And so I said, okay, no, we, we care more about your brand than our brand. Our logo is black and white because we want you to be the color, you and the listing not to be Compass. Mm. Uh, and so it's all just following the roadmap of their, I don't like this about my other company, or I do like it about another company, but if you, I would come if you can do this or not do that. But I can't overstate the importance of culture. Uh, people that are likable, collaborative, experienced, and fully committed. The example I'll give you is Leonard Steinberg. Leonard Steinberg was our first big agent hire. In their first early days, I asked these agents to come. None of them said yes. They said, if you can hire a top agent who's good at resale and new development, then I would consider coming. So I asked 20 agents, give me three names of agents that meet that criteria, that if they were here, you would come. The only person that was on every person's list was Leonard Steinberg. Hmm. And then he really is a cultural leader, unlike anyone. He sends an email every single day to every agent in the country, inspiring them, giving them information about the market. He's just a wonderful human being. You mentioned technology as, as part of that process, as being an if, and technology has clearly been part of Compass's story. You know, and I've seen you guys talk about spending a billion dollars on technology, or the latest I saw it was like one and a half billion dollars. That's a tremendous amount, and probably more than anybody will ever spend on technology and real estate for quite a while. You must have learned some things about that. What's something you've learned about building technology for real estate agents and getting them to use that technology? Yeah. So let's start with the, the using part, because they're both different. What I learned, I learned a lot. If I knew what I knew now, when I build Compass, <clears throat> oh man, we would have done it. Because we would have built the perfect platform, not you know, by now, it would have been five, six years earlier. And the degree to which agents are loving the technology is, is surprising me at this point. But here's what I've learned. 
we hired all these people from Apple, from the Apple Genius Bar to train agents on technology. We did that for years. But what I learned is Sky Michaels came on. He said, Robert, people don't want to learn technology. They, weren't, they want to learn how to grow their business. Mm. And if technology happens to be a way to help them grow their business, that's great. But you're starting with the wrong thing. So you, we don't train on technology more. We train on how to grow your business. Oh, you, you want to get in front of more clients? Well, we have this tool called Likely to Sell who will tell you who to call based off of AI that recommends how likely they are to sell. Or a digital CMA, we call it one CMA a day. We're gonna do a 30 day CMA challenge where you can create valuation CMAs to one person a day. If you do it for 30 days, your business can't help but grow. It's like, so but, but the thing isn't, hey, we have a CMA. It's, hey, you need to reach out to your clients more. And this is an excuse mm -hmm. to reach out to them. Right, no agent wakes up in the morning and says, I need technology. Exactly. They, they just say, I want to grow my business. And so we started partnering with a lot of the great coaches to coach how to grow the business. And they just happened to coach through things that our technology offers. Hmm. So that was a really important lesson. And massively, think about all the expenses that we had doing something that wasn't even the right way. Um, when coaches, they have third-party coaches that aren't expenses and they're coaching it the right way. And so big learning. On what to build, there's a graveyard of technology companies in real estate, and they're all entrepreneurs. I wish them all the best. I think there's an emotional prejudice against real estate agents, a real form of prejudice that makes smart people stupid. And what I mean by that is, I think people start with the answer. How do we get rid of agents? How do we blah, 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 blah. Not the question. What would make this industry better? What would make things simpler? What would make things easier? And so my belief is this industry works almost perfectly. It just isn't in one login. It's not in one thing. My belief is there's almost 2 million agents that are using technology almost every day. There's 700 software providers that are selling to them. My belief is there's nothing that we need to build that isn't there right now. And if you really hold that belief and you say, okay, and just ask the agents, we, the most important technology we, we ever create, the most important button on our site is a button called feedback, where they push the button, they put in their ideas, they're all different categories, mobile app, CRM, da 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 da, -da. There's actually in-office culture and all kinds of stuff. They put in their ideas. We have tens of thousands of ideas. And then agents can vote them up or down. They tell you, you need to do this like that, this like that, that like that. And the answer's right in front of you. And so the, one of the hardest parts of my job in the early days, not now because the company's kind of figured it out and they're all, they're all great. In the early days is how, can, how do you hire these really talented people from Amazon, Apple, and Google and get them just to listen to the real estate agent? Mm -hmm. So we created search four times before asking the agent how they want search to work. You're like, they're not searching companies, they're not searching. And we, we care all these cool ideas. We do you know, natural language, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But this... No, that's not how they wanted it. They think in a very certain way. And so that's, that's what I would have done if I can go back in time. I would have had a policy. We only build things that we know agents will use because they're using it today already. Like you can see them. Mm -hmm. like it's there. And, and if, you, if you make it here, they'll use it here. <laughs> but you don't need to make something that doesn't exist of these 700 providers. No, that's a really good point. Everything that's already been built has been built. 
and they're using everything. They're using we don't, there's no, yeah, there's no like new fancy technology that's going to do something new. It's all out yeah. there. Let's well, just. We, we, maybe in a couple of years, the day that we're forced to build something that doesn't exist, it means that like we, we built everything. Mm-hmm. It means that you've taken this complicated thing across title officers, loan officers, escrow officers, real estate agents, that the agent never, here's the mission. The mission is the agent should never have to write the same thing more than once. Mm. You, team, you accomplish that. Yeah, now then you've earned the privilege of building whatever you want. But, but to get to that, you're by definition, you've created the platform. You've created the simplicity. Makes sense. And no one leaves something in this industry. The average agent probably has to write the listing address 10 times. You have to write in your CMA, you have to write in the listing presentation, you have to write it in for you know, title, escrow, mortgage, you have to write it for in your CRM, you have to write it in Skyslope or Dotly for the transaction management transaction coordinator. You have to write it in, oh God, for your social media post, uh, in your digital newsletter, and your postcards, your mailers. And that's just like off the top of my head, right? If you write it in Compass, it should flow straight through. Flow straight through in one seamless system that does the whole thing. Yeah. And it's not perfect in every single way, don't get me wrong. But that's where it should be. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe this question is related to that, or maybe it's something else. But if you could write yourself a one-sentence message and send it back in time to 2019, before the pandemic, one sentence to 2019, Robert, what would it say? It's 2019. 2019 is different. Look, I'll give you two. Like One, I would say, hey, just get ready. The sharpest decline of real estate transactions in the history of the country is going to come, uh, and you're going to have... Uh, mortgage rates go to two and a half percent, leading 30% of homeowners locked in at 3% mortgage rates are below 70% of homeowners locked in at 4% or below, and they'll be effectively locked out from selling their homes. Um, and so just get ready for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite a sentence. Oh my God. Oh, by the way, let me add some more. Um, <laughs> We'll have housing affordability at 40-year lows. You'll have mortgage applications at 30-year lows. You'll have mortgage rates the highest in 23 years. Uh, so, but what does that mean? Would 2019 Robert know what to do with that? Like, you know, there's a lot of information. That's a great question. I don't think I would have. Um, I don't think I would have. I would say don't bring your expenses up. So, so what happened to really wasn't just Compass. It was almost all technology companies. There's a... You ask yourself, why did almost every technology company have to lay off people over the last two years? Facebook, Amazon, et cetera. It's because, because I asked an investor, like, they have all this money. Why are they? He said, everyone made the same mistake. COVID created a bubble of financial activity. And we all thought it was going to continue for, for the next three or four or five years. And so that became a war for talent to hire people to build, not for now, but build for the next three years. And by the way, if the Fed didn't come in and bring up rates, that would have been the right decision. Mm-hmm. But the Fed said, okay, this activity is creating inflation. So now we need to bring the economy down and tighten the economy. But the second thing I would have told myself is culture is, always has been, and will always be your most important competitive advantage. COVID will take away the emotional connection that your employees have with each other, your agents have with each other and the company. And you need to do everything you can as early as possible to make sure that culture doesn't go away. And the only, if it's not in person, it doesn't count. Everything has to be in person where you can see people's eyes and connect. 
I would say that the internet is a cold and frigid place with comments in Zoom, all company meetings, or Twitter posts. Get as far away from that as possible. Less texting, more connecting. Great. Okay. Awesome. Uh, we have. To- and, and if you do that, and if you do that well, your people will stick by through any amount of hardship. I, th- I think that's an incredible insight and learning there, right? I mean, and it's very specific and I'd say uncommon in real estate and uncommon in technology right now, that incredible intense focus on community and connection. I appreciate it, that. I think in technology, I think it always was. I think, look, I'm not best in the world at a lot of things, but I do think I'm top at learning from others. I have zero ego. We have eight entrepreneurship principles at Compass. The third one is, I think, the, the greatest business advantage you can have, which is learn from reality. This, the principle of learn from reality means the greatest advantage you have in life is the speed at which you learn. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn fast. How do you learn fast? Look to your left, look to your right at proven models of success. Be the fastest integrator of proven ideas, not the first to come up with a new idea. With all due respect to Apple, they didn't invent the device uh, it was Microsoft. They didn't invent to the mobile tablet. They didn't invent music. It was, it was the MP3. They didn't invent the digital photo. It, it was Kodak. I could go on and on. They just made the perfect integration machine. So I just want to be the perfect integration machine for real estate. So on culture, the LFR for culture was who was L- hard. Sorry, LFR. Sorry, learn from reality. Okay. The LFR, I, the learn from reality from culture is... The companies that were hardest to hire from were the ones that had the best culture. Mm. The companies that have been the easiest to hire from and that will become the easiest to hire from are the ones that have the least culture. And also you can see it on the agent level. Agents and their clients, it's all about connection. That's why the clients trust them and like them. And the agents for, and their brokerage firm, they, you need trust and like. We are in the trust and like business. Uh, and so more client events, more living rooms, more handshakes, more eyes on eyes, more hugs. Uh, that's where the opportunity is. Uh, more all company meetings, more sales meetings, more community service. Do you know the number one thing people, in the early days, when I asked all these agents, we could do anything for you. The number one thing people asked for was a CRM. But the second was more community service. I want Compass to give back more. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's why we created Compass Cares, where for every transaction, we gave money back to the community. Mm-hmm. We had a posit because of this environment we're in right now. But yeah, community is everything. All right. I think we just kind of named this episode of the podcast. I'm seeing culture as a competitive advantage as this commonality through all this. And yeah. I love it. We have to wrap there. We're at time. We got to get to class and and talk to the students. So Robert, thank you very much for joining and sharing today. Thank you so much. I'm Mike Dalpretti. You're listening to Context. More podcasts, more information. You can check out my website, mikedp.com. All right. Thanks, everyone.